Hello, everyone. Welcome to What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry. My name is Dr. Michael David Clay. I'm all about liberty. <laughs> freedom. Freedom used to be a, a rally cry. Um, I don't know. You haven't heard that in a while. I think a lot of folks in the name of freedom, probably distortion at this particular point of even the concept of freedom, proclaim liberty, uh, believe in liberty, even if it's to the extreme of chaos. Free us from all the rules, the bondage of all the rules. Uh, liberate us. Set us free. We can do anything we want. And even the Apostle Paul says that. All things are legal, but not all things are expedient. And what does he mean by that? Um, we have choice. <laughs> the highest order of godliness, <laughs> grace, mercy, is choice. <sighs> Where does grace and mercy fit in? Because sometimes you make the wrong choices. Sometimes we choose to do things that otherwise we... Maybe at the time we know, already know, maybe we don't, but we soon find out at some point along the way. Choices don't always turn out right. <laughs> How do you measure right? If they work. Now, there's a certain degree of that that goes into creativity. Uh, either you could see that as variance, mistake, uh, opportunity depends on how you look at that. Um, but at the same time, if you know better, why would you do it and expect a different outcome? And even with the opportunity, even with the uh, creativity aspect of that, looking at it that way, or you might want to look at that as just simply a matter of learning, uh, adapting, because there are, thank God, Certain things in life that follow a certain, I guess, order. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Um, there's some things, fortunately for us, that are fairly predictable. Now, do they never change? Are they never changing? No, they're just those things that take a long time to change. Um, God never changes. Uh, but just about everything else does. So to be on the mark, uh, to get it right, to learn, yes, you can count on those things that seem to be very slow at evolving or changing. Uh, creativity is in God's time, not our own always. Some things happen really quickly. We can mix things up pretty fast. You can even, in the name of creativity, break a lot of rules. But you never can operate in total anarchy or chaos, uh, even if it's for the sake of liberation. You can't be completely free to do anything you want. Why? Because there is, again, some order to things. So I cry out for freedom behind that. I love the idea of choice. And certainly 
God gives us plenty of that. But in the end, we are bound by certain statutes, rules, laws that we must follow. If you would want to operate also in that freedom of choice, be around for very long, (laughs) survive, (laughs) you better pay attention to at least the basic rules. Now, what are the basic rules? (laughs) That God's in control. That's the first one. God's in control of them all. That's why the first of the two great commandments is to love God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and spirit, as Jesus put it. And should you need just need a little more clarity or more specificity when it comes to uh, what God's nature and character truly is, go to the Ten Commandments. Moses learned those, uh, was given those. should say it that way. Uh, (laughs) He tried to learn those. He learned everything that was known to humankind in Egypt, in the house of Pharaoh, which was probably equivalent to the best of any sort of learning experience, socialization that was available not only at that time, but possibly today. You could argue that during King Solomon's reign, uh, that Israel was probably that place on the planet Earth. Um, but I'm still not sure that, that even with King Solomon, that he, of course, as falling into apostasy, really wasn't as smart as he thought he was. And so to Moses, so to Pharaoh, so to all great civilizations, and anyone that puts themselves above God, it's not going to work. Why? Because God does have a character. It is virtue. It should be our virtue. It should be our character. Even if it were to only be within the context of the Old Testament, which of course it is not, where you'll find the Ten Commandments, because of course, as I started, the two great commandments are of Jesus, and that's in the New Testament. But when you look at this liberty and freedom that grace and mercy represents, as with the New Testament, it all must include, I was going to say begins, initiates in Old Testament, understanding the virtue and nature and character of God. Show me your glory, God, Moses cried out, because he knew that despite all his knowledge, he was lacking something even more important than human knowledge. And arguably so, again, arguably so, humans will never (laughs) attain all that God is in terms of comprehension. We'll never comprehend all that God is. One reason we can't see him, (laughs) because there's certain things that are beyond our five senses. We can intuit him, thankfully, as a gift, as with the Holy Spirit. But Nicodemus found out from Jesus, (laughs) the wind blows where it wants to. You could see the results, but you can't see the wind because we're human. At the same time, though, as much as we might be able to even measure it, we can't 
possibly comprehend it. We have no earth, no heavenly reference to earth, no earthly reference to heavenly things. That's the right way to say it. Everything that we know is based on what a human either has known or the knowledge. Fortunately, folks do write things down. Uh, we can pass a certain amount of common sense knowledge from one generation to the next, but even then, I'm pretty confident common sense isn't knowledge as much as it is, again, this intuitive wisdom that I'm speaking, bringing our conversation toward. What is it? It's the Holy Spirit. He lives within us. I suspect he's been there all along, but certainly with the advent of Jesus Christ, and the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he resumes his rightful position. He is not only word, but living word, which brings us to the second of the two great commandments, to love others as you love yourself. So what is really choice? Highest human order, order of human thought, and probably, possibly, relationship. Choose, 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 choose. Liberty, freedom. To choose. <laughs> but you can't be a fool. You have to admit, there's some things that not only you do not know, but are beyond your control. But if you can abide in that, in that fact, and then what that really represents, then you can love one another. You can operate within choice and liberty, each and every one. <laughs> And still get along. <laughs> but nobody gets along anymore these days, David. And that, unfortunately, seems more true than not. If we're going to have any semblance of the kingdom of God on earth, we have to get along. We can't argue the points. There are going to be those that know more or less. Read the Bible. <laughs> Gain the knowledge the Old Testament teaches. If anything, it just shows us that we can't do it without God. And when we try to do it of ourselves, we make a mess of it. And even those things that have good beginnings in the natural sort of way, because really in a natural sort of way, creativity also reigns. Things change. We have to change as much as the environment, the world in which we live, whether it's socially measured, naturally measured, bodily measured, our soul resides within our bodies, human bodies, uh, they require us to adapt, make alterca uh, altercations, uh, Freudian slip as they say, adjustments, alterations, so that we can continue to be blessed. Enjoy the fruits of not only our knowledge, but our wisdom. When you make a choice, you want a good outcome. Tragedy still is going to come in a natural. Change is still going to come in a natural. So don't measure it by what happens to you from the outside. Measure it by your reaction to what happens to you from the outside from within you. The testimony of the Holy Spirit is that not only do you have knowledge, but you have wisdom. And what is wisdom? It's empiricism. 
at least in human terms. Again, anything I share with you, unfortunately, is going to be tainted and corrupted by my human dimension and dimensions. That's the only way I can explain it. The closest thing we've got is science, empiricism, (laughs) but not the crazy science, not the distorted science, not the sciences, again, the Apostle Paul told to Timothy, Timothy that would exalt itself against this deeper, more true wisdom, because all that's false, because it doesn't begin with God. That sort of science is just to make he or she who professes it, pardon me for using uh, gender. <laughs> Unfortunately, folks, there's only two. There's a male and a female. But... For whomever it is that is espousing, purporting, claiming, using facts subjectively, out of own personality, out of own corrupted natures, human nature, is going to preach false doctrine. (laughs) Shame on them. But also shame on us who are not good consumers. There's people out there who believe that stuff. I get sort of frustrated with that. Uh, I get sort of frustrated with that being the idea that I have to live in a society with people who are like that. But it's their choice. And in the end, I know it won't serve them. Because when the tragedy comes, When the confusion gets, when we're in such darkness, the confusion gets to the point where it's undeniable. We've got problems. When it's so, we live in such darkness. When it's so dark, you can't see the hand in front of your face. You can only take one step at a time. You need light. Yes, I'm going to say it. You need enlightenment. But it's not human enlightenment. It's God discernment. God alone knows how to put it all together. Again, in human terms, we call this the process. We discover it by, get this, binary thinking. Empiricism requires that you have a point-counterpoint. The arguments aren't bad. It's human logic and reasoning. It's the best that we can do within our flesh. Yes, make it objective. Yes, use solid, empirical, scientifically established, validated research protocols. Do it the right way. And even the most preposterous of theories will eventually be turned to something right and true. Right being what? It brings more life. It helps us to adapt. It costs us less. We get along. We love one another. We're not in contention all the time. Yes, God gave us the ability to fight. He also gave us the ability to run away. (laughs) And in a physical sort of dimension, that too is adaptive materially. But in the end, you can't run away from, again, the inevitability of death. Everybody's going to die. Do you want to die today? Mm, Not necessarily. It's not in your flesh to die today. (laughs) Let's put it that way. 
But one day you will. Why would you run from that? Why would you fight against that? Because it's all part of creativity. It's all part of change. It's the physical dimension. But it's not the soul and the spirit. The soul and the spirit is eternal, but only as long as it aligns with the virtue and the character that is God. God is truth and righteousness. God says, see it for what it is and learn from it. God says, if you pay attention to the outcomes, you'll begin to understand the wind. (laughs) Begin to comprehend a bit the Holy Spirit. You'll even begin to intuit the movement of the Holy Spirit. You'll understand the creative dynamic. You'll understand how he takes things and puts them together. And though everything is eternal, even in a physical dimension, (laughs) by the time that things, some things change, we're long gone because not all things exist in the same measure, whether it's time or whatever the measure is. But the good news is that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is what makes things come to life, what brings forth life, what is creativity, what is that which is manifested by choice, by this empiricism, by this process, this virtue and character that when God speaks, it happens. I don't know how it happens. It does. I can only, through a glass darkly, begin to define it. I know, as much as it seems like to some, we're at the threshold of the prefaces, 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 the the edge, precipice, edge of total liberation, even to the point of anarchy and chaos. Others of us would say, oh, no, we're at the point of the end of it all. But they're one and the same. (laughs) What ends, in material regards, is a new beginning. My point is you have to see the entire picture of it and then be in Jesus Christ because he's the only one and not only human he. He is God, which, again, we reference God in male, I guess, pronoun terms, gender specific. Sorry. It's just the way it is. But Jesus is God, and so is the Holy Spirit. They're all one and the same. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But if you're established in Christ, if you have the mind of Christ then you'll not only know what endings look like, because we're all going to see those, but you'll have greatest of hope of new beginnings. The Apostle Paul believed, as all Pharisees did, in the resurrection. He knew it wasn't the end. Because if it was the end, there's a degree of fatalism that goes along with that. And if all we've got is what we've got in this life, though framed within the word of God, Old and New Testament, it makes it palatable. (laughs) It still isn't all that it can be or that we will one day experience it to be. I don't know how we're going to experience it because when my flesh dies, all the ways that I'm experiencing it now will no longer continue to exist. I can't describe it. 
In that way, again, it's indescribable. I can't capture it. But I know that it's there. How do I know that it's there? Because even so now, in these intuitive sort of ways, I experience it. I experience the resurrection now in Jesus Christ. My spirit is quickened, as the King James would put it, because of my hope that I have in Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead. I am not going to end when my body ends. But when I say it that way, and when the Holy Spirit gives me discernment to see it in the fullest of pictures, eternal dimensions, I begin to realize nothing except all the corruption in me is going to die. So yes, my human soul, as it needs sanctification and preservation by the enlightenment, the light that the word of God brings into this world to me, my life in material regards, the Dave, the things that make me Dave, not only to me but to you, Clay. You might want to add that because there's probably multiple Daves out there. I need that. That's life for me. The Word of God is life for me. It establishes a paradigm. My mind knows what I'm supposed to do. It helps me make better choices in material terms. And if I don't, my human soul is going to perish. Everything that does not align itself is not reconciled unto God in Jesus Christ, whether it is simply my, well, I should say the lesser would be my bodily function as committed toward Serving God as he's created me in a physical dimension to serve him, to worship him, serve him, worship him. Whether it be as part of that, my mind, soul, and spirit. Human, 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 human. I need to line that up, but it's Jesus that shows me how to take the Old Testament and line it up so that I'm making every effort putting forth every effort, effort, loving God with all my mind, heart, soul, spirit, so that I might do his will. Is that rules to follow? Yeah, I suppose. Will they always mean, or will it mean that there will never be, will it always then be, if I do those things, that tragedy won't come or death won't? No, It is the curse. It's not God cursing me. It's me recognizing without the tree of life, without all of this that I've tried to share with you this morning or this evening or whenever you might be listening to this today. Without that, without Jesus, without the mind of Christ to show me how to put it into action, without the actions of Christ to show me how to live it, I'm going to be scared to death of it. It, It's going to curse me. My human nature is what curses me because it's not sanctified. It is the iniquity to think in human terms that we must be saved from. 
Because all we're going to say is it's death. You can package it a million ways. You can create philosophical sort of paradigms. You could teach it at university. You can make it political. (laughs) You could even make it corporate. Just do it. And what does that come to mind? Or what does that bring to mind? And it's not just that or that particular corporate interest. That's really the intention. But in the end, just like the grass of the field, it all passes away. Just like the mist, when the sun comes up, it vanishes. But what we need is we need a foundation more solid. It's all scientific, folks. It's all empirical. You just have to be honest enough, out of denial, out of self-agenda, at least educated enough to know you need it. And what does that take? It just takes you waking up one morning and saying, this isn't working. This isn't working. This isn't working. Mm. A pause to think. It isn't working. You need Jesus. You need salvation. And thankfully, the moment you call upon his name, he's there. You don't even have to know his name. And he's there. That's what convinces me that the Holy Spirit is with us all along. It's just we deny him. We reject him. The Holy Spirit first. Maybe it's out of ignorance. I suppose that that's why God chose to forgive us or send Christ to forgive us. He tried to teach us. Old Testament's just filled full of that. They argued with him. They fought with him. Sometimes they got it. Sometimes they made improvements, advancements. And humans aren't complete, totally devoid. Again, God's given us the Spirit and the Holy Spirit, the also dimension of understanding. Empiricism. Learn. Learn from your experiences. Unfortunately, you just most of us just don't have generations to learn from. And again, fortunately, we can write it down. We can pass it on. We can tell those who are our offspring, who are our children, so that the next generation might be just a little better than ours. But in the end, the only thing that saves us is if all of that comes us to, brings us to, comes to, or brings us to an awareness of the need for Jesus and saving. And realizing that what we think it is, is very, very, very limited. Because we're very, very limited in terms of what it truly is. If you're tired, if you're worn out with all this fight and struggle, not a against creativity, because there's always going to be a bit of that in your flesh because it's that enmity with the Spirit. 
God didn't create it to be at enmity with the Spirit so we couldn't survive it or that the house would be divided, but there is some advantages to adaptability in human terms. Don't do something to kill yourself. But more so, don't do something to kill your soul. And buying all this garbage that's being peddled as science right now, for political purposes, for economic whatever, it's just the stuff of the devil, because that's what he does. It's what he did to Eve in the garden, Adam in the garden, to create a broken fellowship with God. But Jesus restores that. And guess what, folks? It all begins with a choice. You have to make the choice. Study it. Lay it all out. Research it. Be honest. <laughs> Apply good research methodology. And I'm sure you'll come to the same conclusion. We need a Savior. Nobody would have come to it except Jesus. How do I know? Because nobody had come to it until Jesus. But even so, he is the firstborn of among many. And we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We are the church. Not a church. Not the church, the only church. We are the church, as in the church as in a physical dimension. We are the church as in the body of Christ. Rightly fitted together, not only with one another, but beginning so with God in all that God has created. A much, much better place to be than anywhere else. Because when you do die... When something along the way to your death comes to an end, you always have hope. <laughs> it's a resurrection. If the Apostle Paul were here today, he'd be going, amen, amen. That probably be the only thing he'd amen that I might be saying. I hope not. But even if it were, <laughs> it's the best of all amens. Because he lives, we live too. But only those parts of us, that part of us, and hopefully as we would have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we would have given our life to him, all of our heart, mind, soul, and spirit, to try with everything that we have, every ounce of anything that's in us in the way of blessing, resource that God has given us to the end of life, we would apply it to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only to others, but we live it as unto our own salvation, not of ourselves, but of Christ who is alive within us, the hope of all hopes and God's greatest glory. <laughs> Moses learned it. He didn't, he didn't know how to apply it because he didn't get in the promised land. But I think you'll have better results. Why? 
Because now we have an advocate with the Father, not only Christ Jesus, but he's left his Holy Spirit, not only to comfort us, but to lead us, to guide us, to take our brains and help our brains, the human understanding, to not only comprehend it, but to apply what, what in human dimension we should know better to do. Don't do stupid things. If you want true freedom, you want true liberty, you want true love, you want a society that's full of that, that's the only way you're going to get there. And if you want to pick a good leader, if you want to be a follower, and we're all to some extent or another a follower. Why? Because we're at different places in terms of not only our understanding, and, but also knowledge. But nobody's saved above anybody else. We're all saved as we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And with that, the Word of God is full of all that you would need to make good decisions. Even if you never followed another piece of advice from someone like me who would sit around and pontificate. But there is a place, Paul says, for those who minister the word, there is a place for evangelists. There is, so I will hide behind that if you'll allow me to. I will rest in that. I will establish my ministry in that. And I will do everything I can to encourage the saints along the way, the body of Christ. That is my conclusion. God has given me two, two probable gifts at this point in my life that I'm pretty confident in. I think I have an evangelistic calling, but this is about it. So what you got today is about what you're going to get. But more than that, he's given me the gift of edification. <laughs> I know how to take what you are and encourage you. <laughs> Why? Because I want to. I love to. Because as I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging Christ. And as you get better, <laughs> then the world gets to be a better place. I don't want to tear you down. It's not my job. I want to point out, instructionally so, where you might be making a mistake. I will caution you, but I'll also say, if you want to do it, go ahead, and then we'll figure it out after the fact. That is empiricism. Some lessons you just have to learn on your own. But if you can learn any lesson, it's how to be obedient. It's better to obey than to sacrifice And truly, when it comes to that level of sacrifice, you don't want that. You don't want that. So, if you listen, if you receive, if you know the word, enough to know the person who's speaking it is coming to you with that knowledge in mind, and if you also discern If you know the Holy Spirit and recognize the voice of God, even if it's coming out of a human being, you know it's okay to listen. You still test it. Don't do anything anybody tells you without checking with the Word of God first and your heart, the Holy Spirit within you first. But even Samuel, as he told that to Saul, Samuel knew how to follow 
the voice of God. Even Elijah, that's Old Testament folks, even Elijah heard the voice. We just, because of Christ Jesus, have open, talk about freedom, total liberal free access to the wisdom that is God. There's no restrictions. Nothing is being held back. Because of Jesus Christ and his atonement for sin, the price that was paid so that we all might know this great liberty that I spoke of earlier, we have it better than anybody in the Old Testament. But even so, Jesus liberated those captives and set them free from where they were held until such the day would come that he would come to the world so that the world might then know how even they, though they were of lesser, possibly again more immature, had not accomplished in a material sort of way, developmentally in a human sort of dimension, had not arrived at the point where they were, when Jesus did come, prepared to receive and know that as God sent Christ, there would be this great upswelling of not only the church, the change, but the enlightenment, the truth, so that we could all begin to live in it. But Jesus saved them too. (laughs) But they were all part of how we got here. And I pray again in my edification and my evangelism, that I'll be part of all those that will come between now and when Jesus comes again. And it may be tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. But if it's not, then there's more work to be done. There's more to be saved. And that's our calling. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't get a chance to do this. I want to thank anybody out there who would listen who might be receiving. And even if there isn't, I want to thank God right now that he's given me an opportunity to say these things in this manner. And should it be only for me in terms of the podcast or in that sense, the broadcast, uh, it is also for those that come see me because this all helps me to put it together so that when you arrive, When you come see me, when they come see me, when you come see me, I'm prepared. The Holy Spirit has prepared me. Which then leads me to my final invitation. Certainly, except to get to know and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And more so, even more personally so, accept him as your Lord and Savior. And in the instance that you do, You begin to live again. It's not all about death. It's about resurrection. It's about resurrection. It's about resurrection. New life, hope. That's the glory of God. Forgiveness, love, love, love one another. But should you need assistance, desire to reach out and contact me in any way, shape, or form, I would consider it a privilege. And you can contact me at the email address that is posted with the podcast. I'll get back with you. And in the event you should choose not to do that or go that route, I also invite you to return 
to our next edition of What is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dr. Michael David Clay. Again, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's been a privilege again and a blessing on my part, and I hope that it's been equally a blessing to you. Until next time.